Hey there, welcome to Sauce and Bound Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Dana, how to grow at Sauce Group, a serial acquirer buying wonderful sauce businesses to take them to the next level. And here I chat with inspiring founders and experts to get an inside scoop on how they made their business success. And today, super excited about it. With me is Alex, founder and CEO of Sauce Talk. I've heard so much on the podcast about you guys. <laughs> it's the biggest B2B SaaS conference in Europe. And uh, Alex is also a host of the SaaS Revolution show. So welcome to SaaS Unbound. Yeah, great to be here. Uh, good to be on the other side of the microphone, I guess. Um, so um, yeah, delighted to, to be on the show. How does it feel to be on the other, on the other side? I'm always like terrified. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you know what? I don't know if I... Yeah, I'm not sure if, if I've uh, thought about it, if whether I have a preference or not. But um, yeah, I think I think generally I've done a lot a lot of these, and I feel like pretty uh, relaxed uh, now. You know, on either side, whether I'm the host or the guest, and I think it's nice to be a guest every now and then. Um, so um, yeah, you know, I, I look forward to these things, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, it can be fun and and helpful um, uh, along the way. Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, like I said, uh, so many founders came to the podcast and would say, you know, if you want to network, if you want to build some relationship, if you want to know what people are doing in Europe and B2B SaaS, you have to be at SaaS Talk. And I just experienced the biggest FOMO because I couldn't go. Uh, but um, yeah, so I would love to know, first of all, your background and how you got to build it and what was the inspiration yep. behind it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, they're they're absolutely right. <laughs> you, you know, if you if you want to network in SaaS and connect in SaaS, then then SaaS look is is the place to be. But um, I guess kind of like going into my background. Uh, I mean, look, I wasn't in events. I wasn't really in SaaS uh, before, so you wouldn't think that it's a real kind of natural um, uh, transition for me to be doing what I'm doing today and and or having made it uh, a success uh, as well. Um, so I, I think if, like very quickly, I mean, like I've, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, right? And always, I think, had the entrepreneurial traits, even like it's a bit cliche, but, you know, when I was a kid, um, I, you know, would build a lemonade stand and, you know, try and make money from that. I was making perfume in the back of my garden, trying to sell it to neighbors, you know, got a newspaper around as soon as I could. I was I had an illegal sweet shop at school. And I got trouble, uh, you know, in trouble for that. So I used to buy sweets after church on a Sunday. Got my dad to kind of maybe the only reason I went to church uh, was so that I could go to the sweet shop afterwards, buy loads of sweets, and then sell them at school, you know, for a markup, right? And uh, and I, I think that was, you, you know, something innate in me that I was very interested in, um, you, you know, business, although not knowing really that it was business at the time and, and kind of making money. And then in my, throughout my 20s, I had a million and one ideas, but I never acted on any of them. So then I was getting to 30 years of age, and I'd then you know, been uh, a sales executive for a number of years and selling other people's technology. Uh, and I was starting to kind of fall out of love uh, uh, with that uh, a little bit, right? Uh, and I was starting to think, and you know, by all means, 30 is not old. You know, I'm much older now. Um, uh, but uh, 30, 30 is not old, it's very young, but I thought like, look, you know, it, when I'm getting to 30, like if I'm not an entrepreneur in my 30s, then it's likely never going to happen. And actually that's not true because I mean, a lot of people become first time founders, you know, in their 40s or even 50s and, and so on. So age isn't too much of a barrier. 
Um, but psychologically for me, that was kind of the tipping point to say, look, I really want to start a business and I've got to act on this and, and you've got to figure out what it is. But lo and behold, as the, the world works in, in funny ways, whilst I had all these ideas in my 20s, which I never acted on, when I said, okay, I really you know, must become an entrepreneur, I didn't have an idea. Right. So I didn't have this grand idea to build Sastock and, you, you know, then went ahead to, to, to build it. Uh, so what I what I did, I kind of I was doing some like um, things to put myself outside of my comfort zone. Uh, so I thought, look, I've never written a blog before. Why don't I start blogging? Right. And what am I going to blog about? Well, I'm selling cloud computing software. So let me look into this sort of direction. And then I started like learning, reading more about SaaS. And then when I was looking at SaaS blogs, I saw that at the time that the SaaS blogs that were out there were really kind of either VCs that were uh, putting out and you know uh, publishing a few blog posts, or there were some vendors. You, you know, some of the, uh, uh, the the platforms that were out at the time were also putting out blog posts, uh, but nothing was really kind of coming from uh, a neutral space, a non-biased space, as I, I would call it, or from that community angle. So I, I quickly gra grabbed onto that sort of idea and opportunity, looked into it, spoke to a bunch of people and thought, oh, I'm going to come up with a, a, a SaaS magazine, right? Uh, and I'm going to call it Sascribe. Uh, and, uh, but then, uh, and, and maybe like, say like the, the, the lack of experience kind of at the time, uh, lack of capital, uh, and, uh, really kind of the know-how of how to get access to capital, uh, really kind of, um, started with me actually not doing the magazine, but just writing some blog posts. Right. Uh, and I quickly realized, look, I've never been a SaaS founder or an operator, um, you know, I'm also pretty new to the topic, right? Why, why is anyone going to really kind of read uh, what the content that I'm pushing out? Because I'm not the expert, right? You, you know, I'm, a, I'm an imposter, right? What are people going to learn from me? Uh, so I thought, well, that's a weakness, uh, right? How do I fix that weakness? Well, let's get people to write, uh, you know, that are experts. So I started reaching out to a bunch of people that were uh, experts within the various dis uh, different disciplines within, you know, building a SaaS company, whether they were like customer success experts or growth experts uh, and, and so on. But people that would be, you, you know, have done it before uh, and that were, uh, I would say at the time, you, you know, kind of uh, up and coming influencers. I just reached out to them and said, hey, look, I'm creating this community, um, you, you know, uh, online publication or blog, you know, Sascribe. Uh, it's to help. SaaS founders and their teams, you know, grow their businesses. Uh, would love you to write for uh, uh, for Sascribe, and then really people bought into the why of of what you you know uh, of, of what we were doing. Uh, the fact that it was a community kind of driven, the fact that it was going to help other SaaS founders, the fact that there was no other you, you know uh, I guess kind of blog like it at the time, and so people dedicated and gave up their time to write original content for Sascribe. Uh, without being, you know, receiving any payment. And um, before I knew it, I was then in this kind of editor-like role and position uh, where I was then, you know, sourcing the content uh, and publishing it on the blog. And, you, you know, before we knew it, we were doing, you know, three, four posts a week. Then we had a newsletter. Uh, then I, I decided to supplement that with the, the podcast, which you mentioned at the beginning, the SaaS Revolution Show. Uh, so I threw, again putting myself in into an uncomfortable position. I'd never hosted a podcast before, didn't really know anything about podcasting. 
but I thought I'll do the, the podcast and, you know, kind of see how that goes. And, uh, and honestly, like I was very, probably th- throughout the first year, very nervous going onto every podcast. And um, I thought like, well, again, had that imposter syndrome, which, which probably, I mean, uh, very genuine and uh, in terms of, I'm speaking to these founders who are running SaaS businesses. I've not done it. Like, how am I going to be able to converse with them or ask them the right questions? So, I, yeah, we launched the podcast, and I think it was one of the first B2B SaaS podcasts at the time. So this is back in 2015. So I had the blog, the newsletter, the podcast, and then I thought, what else can I do here? Uh, oh, like, I'd like to, you know, get the audience together and, you know, uh, in a physical event, right? Uh, and I saw that there were no meetups happening in London in SaaS. I thought, this is really strange, right? Why is nobody doing this? So, I, you know, I had the bull by the horns and thought, look, you, you know, I'm going to pull together a meetup. We did that. 120 people came from all over the UK. It was a really good event. You could see in people's faces and, and they spoke to me and they were so thankful that somebody had taken the initiative to pull this together. Uh, and, you know, it was a really good kind of feeling and uh, a moment and achievement that that was obviously a, a, a success. So before I knew it, I had inadvertently built an audience of SaaS founders and execs that were consuming the content. You know, Sascribe was on the radar. The podcast was having good guests on. People were listening to it. People were coming to the meetups. But the next thing they said to me is, Alex, why don't you do a big conference? We need a big conference in Europe, right? You're, you seem to be the person to do it. And I was like, well, what do I know about running conferences? Like nothing. I've never done it before. But I, I did think this was a good idea. And, and at the time, all I was doing with the blog and the podcast, not, not, none of that was revenue generating. Uh, so I was looking for a way to, let's say, escape, but leave my full-time job to, to go into this full-time. But obviously, I needed revenue to be able to support me to do that. Uh, and I had looked at advertising before. I had looked at some forms of sponsorship. Nothing really kind of panned out. Uh, so I thought, like, well, events was the, the last chance saloon. Uh, you, you know, the way to kind of monetize this. Uh, and because I'd built this audience, I'd done this customer development work. And then I went to the audience and I said, look, you, you know, if I do this conference, will you attend? Will you exhibit? And people said, yes, you know, we'll become a sponsor uh, if you put this together. So I got the date, you know, I got the venue, then I got the date. Uh, I built the website and then I went back to the people and said, hey, you said you would sponsor this. It's happening, you know, September 2016. Um, you know, sign up. Here's the term sheet. You know, sign up to be a sponsor, and they did. And and that was kind of really the, uh, I, I guess, kind of the story of how SaaS stock kind of came about. Uh, and through that, then we were customer funded, um, you know, through sponsorship and delegates. And when we started selling tickets, because we had this email list, you know, I went out, we sold tickets. I think we sold like 30 tickets on the first day. Um, that we went to market, you know, in January 2016. So it was really great feeling to kind of see all these people that, you, you know, had been following us, uh, buy the tickets to, to come to this event in Dublin. Uh, and we got 700 people uh, from 34 different countries come to the first event. So whilst it's in Europe, it, it was actually very uh, global, predominantly European, like 80% European, 20% to the rest of the world. But founders flew in from India, Australia, Brazil, and I, I was, again, amazed by this, but it was because they, they needed this. They wanted this. They wanted to connect with their peers. And at the time, uh, they didn't really have many options, right? They, they had Sasta in the US, which was happening in February at the time. There was nothing in Europe. 
and they needed more events so that they could come and speak to their peers to you know kind of get out of their bubble and get a sense check of what are they doing is it right and you know how they could learn from others uh yeah and i'd like to say the rest was history but obviously there was a lot more a lot more to it <clears throat> right that's fascinating i mean i love i love hearing the like the stories of inception of the business or you know conference or whatever uh because there's so much inspiration there uh like how do you how do you start something where you potentially don't have any experience how do you build your audience how do you um find the why people would you know buy or go to go somewhere so <clears throat> that's incredible thanks for sharing that and i mean we do our own little events i mean i'm not even comparing we have like i don't know 30 40 people coming together but still the i think you're absolutely right just kind of getting out of the bubble uh, and being able to talk to people who potentially are in the same situation or dealing with the same challenges is really, really valuable. But uh, like you said, uh, the rest, the rest is history. But not uh, well. You know, you've grown so much. Uh, now it's a tremendously big conference. Uh, remind me, how many people were this time uh, in Dublin? Uh, th this time around, it's just just under like four thousand for the 4, uh, for the last one in Dublin, and and we've also launched in the US last year. Yeah. So we had like 700 people in our US event, but this year we're doubling that size. So we're expecting 1,500 in the US. Uh, and similarly, just probably, you know, just over 4,000 this year in, in Dublin is our expectation. And we're, we're really looking at it and focusing on, I think, you know, the quality of attendee over the quantity. We don't want to, our focus is really, you know, founders and investors as the kind of core personas uh, and obviously their, their exec teams. Uh, and I think, you know, to scale to like 10,000 people, I think there there could be, you know, a lot of dilution in the quality of that audience. Uh, and it's not something that we, we want to do, you, you know, at the moment. Right. So uh, at first there, there was you, basically, you were running the whole thing. Uh, what it takes to create um, a conference that big? What is the team like? What is kind of happening behind the scenes? What is the culture there? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, we've gone through very lots of different iterations of culture and lots of different sizes of the teams. I mean, we grew obviously initially, uh, and you, you know, as I told the inception story at the time, and when I you, you know launched and we had the venue, I thought I could do it all by myself, right? And uh, very deluded, and, uh, uh, and I had a few people say, "Look, no, you, you, you're going to need some help, right?" So actually. By the time of the first SaaS stock, we were a team of two and a half. Uh, um, but then we had a production team around us. And um, yeah, it, it, it looked, uh, we got a lot of feedback that this looked much better than a, a first time event and that we probably overspent on it, which we which we did. Um, but now the team is, it, it's, I'd still say it's quite lean for the, the size of company that we are from a revenue perspective. But we're, I think we're just under 20 people. We're like 19 or 20 uh, at the moment. Um, we, I mean, before COVID, we we were 24 people. Then we went to not down to nine people during during COVID, just to kind of obviously lower costs and get us through because revenue went down by about two thirds. Uh, obviously, it was a difficult period when your main source of income is, uh, you know, creating large mass gatherings, and then you couldn't do them anymore. And so we just pivoted to virtual, like most people did. Um, but obviously, now very happy to be back in in real life. But yeah, we got a we got a team of twenty people, and that's kind of, I would say, our sales and marketing kind of functions. So the go to market side of things, 
uh, is just a little bit under 50% of the team. Um, uh, and then we have, you, you know, our, I would say our event operations. It's a two person team uh, that kind of really kind of put together uh, the whole event. Uh, but they also work with, you, you know, uh, contractors and production companies uh, on the back end. <clears throat> and then we have other roles like, you, you know, graphic designers, of course, and community roles. Um, and so on, uh, obviously myself and, you know, with the senior leadership and, and this year we've hired our first, uh, or first time ever, um, uh, uh role of, uh, somebody that's a like director, uh, director of like product. Uh, and sort of with that, what we're looking at, I think, you, you know, one of the things are certainly like looking to improve in SASOC. So whilst it's a great event and it's the leading event in Europe, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the products, you know, over the, the, the last few years. Um, and um, that can be a problem, right? Because obviously you get new entrants into the market, of which there are now many. Um, and, you know, we can't become complacent. We have to think about, you know, innovating and improving the products. Uh, and I think because of the, the size of the team uh, and the lack of focus around the, the innovation on the, on, the, on the product side of things, um, you know, it's been a little bit, I would say, ignored to date. So we've just been churning out, you, you know, the same SaaS stock, you, you know, kind of each year, pretty much, you know, different speakers, you get different attendees, but a, a lot of the model of what SaaS stock is, is very much the same. But now we're looking at, uh, and specifically with this hire, is how can we improve all of the products that we have? How can we introduce new products? How can we get, you, you know, new segments, uh, um, you know, of the demographic into the conference. So, for instance, one of the things that we may well be doing in the Dublin event this year uh, is a specific event within SASTOC just for those companies that are above Series A and, you know, BC and the kind of like the scaling companies that have taken venture and doing something there for them and kind of really giving them a reason to be at SASTOC uh, as, as well. So very, very excited uh, for that and for what's to come and, just to kind of you know keep improving the product to make sure that we uh, we stay at the top of our game. Right, absolutely. So it seems like everyone is moving a little bit up market, including conferences. That's that's really fascinating to see because well you know uh, twenty twenty three hasn't been easy for for anybody and um, working just with the startups uh, maybe still really relevant, but is maybe not. Uh, as revenue generating as uh, as it used to be yeah all right yeah yeah no definitely definitely i mean as, as, just to say to your comment yeah sure. i think like i the beginning of 2023 i was very maybe overly optimistic about well SaaS will be fine uh you know i was having these conversations and look you, you know SaaS continues to be a growth market and you know it'll be fine this year um, and then obviously I think the reality is, and that you heard when you're speaking to your customers and especially, um, when at SASDOC in Dublin, when I was speaking to the attendees, uh, you, you know, it, the reality hit, even though I was aware of it, but when you were speaking to the people, uh, everybody in person, everybody was having a very tough year. Like people, uh, if, especially like those that were selling to like marketers, the marketers weren't buying their budgets, uh, you, you know, were closed. Um, and yeah, it was a really, there was a, a sense of, look, you know, we're, we're already struggling, uh, this year. Um, and so while, whilst the, the mood and we're trying to keep the mood at SASDOC good and people still, you know, kind of had fun, 
uh, everybody was having a very, very difficult year. And that was my first experience of uh, SaaS having a, a bit of a, a downturn, uh, I would say, because if, if you look at the growth of SaaS stock, really, uh, you know, bar the COVID years, which was still actually pretty good for SaaS, but not necessarily for us because we couldn't do in-person events. But we've grown uh, because we're in such a great market and we've kind of, you know, partly been riding that wave or, you know, riding the coattails because there's a demand for SaaS conferences. There's a demand for founders to meet with investors. And it was at that ever increasing demand. Right. Uh, and last year, you, you know, that was a little bit muted. Uh, and so whilst we grew 22 percent last year, uh, it was probably one of the, the, the hardest years for us in, in, in some of those respects. Uh, so we, we, we had a record revenue year, but it was, wasn't easy. Right. And, uh, and for our customers, they were all uh, pretty much struggling. Uh. This episode is sponsored by rewardful.com. Looking for new ways to find customers for your SaaS business? Consider adding an affiliate program. Rewardful is the easiest affiliate tracking platform to set up, manage, and scale for SaaS companies. Log your customer acquisition cost and only pay affiliates based on results. Integrate Rewardful with your Stripe or Paddle account and set up your affiliate campaigns in minutes. Building a successful affiliate program can be a little bit intimidating figuring out where to get started. That's where Rewardful has taken what they've observed from their most successful customers' affiliate programs and distilled that into an exclusive online course. The exciting part? Their affiliate marketing course is absolutely free. And by joining the waitlist today, you'll get early access to it as soon as it goes live. Join the waitlist at rewardful.com course, rewardful.com course, and turn your biggest fans into your best marketers. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to people who, who are um, in, you know, acquisitions, investment, VC, uh, all those uh, spaces. And uh, it's, it's a very interesting observation. Uh, I found that most of them actually are saying that, you know, money is kind of starting to flow again. So it's it's getting easier actually in 2024, even though like it's just started. So it's uh, it's really good. I believe it's um, yeah. If it's really happening, then it's going to be a good year for for a lot of SaaS companies because well, they had the whole year to adjust to like a more startupy, creative kind of narrative, and now with an influx potentially of uh, some new money, they would have an opportunity to spend it wisely. So, yeah, yeah, I, th I think yeah. it's it's definitely, and I, I'm hopeful it's going to be a bet a better year. Uh, I I think it's still it's certainly not going to be you know uh, I think as it was in 2019 and uh, uh, and so on. I mean I think we're we're not anytime soon going back to that era of you know growth at all costs, which was obviously very very good for you know businesses like us because you had um, you know sponsors exhibitors that were uh you, you know paying a lot of money uh, i mean they, they still do but uh it, it paying a lot of money then and and I, I think it was kind of like without second thought but now people are really kind of scrutinizing um you know which events they should be at which you know should they be exhibiting at uh and really kind of selecting you know key uh events and like cornerstone events for them 
So we're lucky in some way that SaaS is a cornerstone event to many SaaS companies. Uh, but, you know, for others that kind of wanted to maybe dip their toe into the market and see if SaaS is a space for them, we're kind of not seeing as much of, of that, uh, uh, you know, at the moment. And th that's specifically to us. But I think on the whole, on the market, I think we, we've gone through last year, we would say is a harsh winter. I think spring is coming. But like, at what point in 2024 does spring uh, you know, come and then, you, you know, I think we'll, we'll be, you know, back to a better time, certainly in, in 2025. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for the prediction. Let's, let's see if it pans out. But uh, next question is about your, you know, growth levers. What are those? So you said you have marketing team, which is about 50% of the company. Uh, yeah. I mean, word of mouth, you've got amazing, uh, you know, people talking great things about you. And yeah. um, what else? Like, what else works? What else doesn't? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it's a good question. So I think if we look back, like, how have we grown today? And, and you know, what are the growth levers sort of now, right? Um, I, I guess, you, you know, in, in the beginning, I mean, look, the market has been a big growth lever. I think I think I kind of like alluded to that, right? So we've created something that people want in a, in a very strong market that at the time in 2016, when we did the first conference, there was only one other SaaS conference, right? So there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, options for people to come to uh, an event to meet other SaaS founders and investors. We were one of the first in a, in a very strong uh, market. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, as we grew, and we grew 100% year over year for the first few years, uh, you, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily science, but effectively, or well, certainly I wasn't aware of it at the time, uh, but how do we grow uh, both the event and our revenue? Uh, and one thing, I increased the pricing, you, you know, every year, uh, both on sponsorship uh, and then on the delegate side of things, which then, you know, um, changing the pricing was a huge growth lever, uh, you know, on revenue uh, for us. I also changed, you know, always had very ambitious targets. So I, I had, you know, ambitions that the conference would double in size every year. Uh, we don't have that anymore. It's very, you know, hard to do. And again, without kind of diluting the quality. But with that, then we were kind of like really pushing the team to to hit aggressive targets kind of each year, um, you know, which is not a, a, always easy. But they, they were kind of real kind of uh, always setting like stretch targets uh, on that front. Um, we also had uh, content uh, as a kind of a growth lever, uh, you know, certainly more in, in the, the early days. And I think we're kind of, we are coming back to that uh, now. And I'll, I'll touch on that in a minute. But obviously, SaaS.com came out of a blog, which we mentioned was Sascribe and the podcast. And through that, we had an audience. We had content. We were sort of known in the market at the time, um, you, you know, for creating content of value. Uh, and we would get a lot of people that also wanted to contribute con uh, content still to SaaStock. And that, that helped grow our, our awareness globally, you know, both the US, Europe, uh, uh, and, and beyond. Um, and then I think, as you mentioned, word of mouth, now that um, SaaStock really has uh, a really strong word of mouth within Europe, right? Uh, and there are a lot of VCs. Uh, we, we get hundreds of VCs each year that come to SaaStock that know of it as a quality event, that they'll get quality meetings, that they'll meet the right people there. Uh, and they're not reading our content. Uh, you know, they don't, I don't know if they read our emails or, you know, look at our ads. They just know that SASOC is one of the, the, the few events that they need to go to each year. 
And then they talk amongst themselves as like, who's going to Sastock or you should go to this event. Uh, and, it, and word of mouth is, whilst it's hard to measure, uh, it is a really strong uh, driver of our growth in Europe. Now, we don't have that in the US at the moment. So we have our US conference, which we launched last year. We don't have that word of mouth because it was a first time conference. We don't have that awareness, that credibility. So we're having to do, you, you know, many things and like go beyond our email list. Uh, and it, it, it is much harder, but we, but we will get there. Um, and then um, just sort of like on the, the content marketing side, uh, really since COVID, um, we, we, well, as I mentioned, we kind of, we cut the team down to nine people, which included at the time, uh, no longer having, you, you know, anyone in content marketing. Uh, and the podcast we, w was really the only piece of content, pl plus our event content, uh, that we sustained and kind of systematically kind of put out. Uh, but what we saw uh, with that was a dramatic drop in website traffic, for instance, right? And with that, obviously, you're going to get uh, a drop in awareness and certainly, you know, in certain regions and for newer companies uh, are coming around that don't know Sastock. So actually, I wanted to do it last year, but this year, uh, and, and she actually just joined last week, we've been hiring for a head of content marketing to really get back to our roots, to kind of remember, look, we came from Sascribe, we came from a community-driven blog, a newsletter, the podcast, we had the audience there, they were engaged. Uh, and, and recently that's been missing. So now we need to kind of reinvest in this, bring this back, you know, recreate. And the vision is to have SaaS stock as, you, you know, one of the leading sources for SaaS founders, you know, and investors, uh, you know, uh, and, and execs on the internet to come to, you know, our, our website, learn how to build, grow a, a SaaS company, get the relevant information. So we're now kind of reinvesting in that to kind of go back to our roots almost, uh, which really enable enabled the company. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think those are the things. So obviously we've got great credibility and word of mouth in Europe. We're seeing that we have to do more work because we don't have that in the US, uh, which is an interesting challenge. Um, we've always been on the sales side, really, uh, uh, I, I would say like, if you look at the, the last seven, eight years, a very sales driven company um, and, and, and that's driven a lot of our, our results and we've kind of done really well uh, on that front. Uh, and, and now we're just kind of looking at like, how do, how do we supplement that, you, you know, beyond obviously having that ability and doing it well to drive revenue, you, you know, where can we add value like beyond that? Um, international expansion is obviously a revenue uh, or a driver of growth for us as well. So when you look at how does an event company uh, grow? Well, you either have to, you know, add more attendees to your existing event, uh, create new events, um, you know, increase the pricing. Uh, you know, these are the levers that you can pull. Uh, and we've pulled all of these, uh, you, you know, at various times. But like I mentioned with Dublin, we, we don't, at the moment, we're not thinking about this as a 10,000 person event. We want it to be a quality, you know, 4,000 person event maybe, you know, give or take uh, a few numbers. Um, but with that, you know, once we kind of really uh, get to the vision where we want that this is, uh, you know, even higher quality, then we may be able to, um, uh, you know, justify uh, increasing the pricing, you know, again, on, on that specific event. Um, but yeah, right now, in international expansion is a big part of our growth strategy. But we've got visions to really kind of scale this business, uh, you, you know, uh, hopefully to one day be 100 million uh, business. Okay, fingers crossed. I mean, uh, looks like, you know, people love you. Like, like I said, whenever I ask about like, 
where do you go? Like, where do you network? Because like, um, you know, in acquisitions, uh, founder burnout, you know, founders being stuck in their bubble, not really uh, being able to get out of building a product and building a company um, is, is a big deal. It's kind of a big topic. And it's been um, like one of the most successful episodes on the podcast ever is avoiding founder burnout. And that, you know, that says something. So I guess, uh, yeah, people are really hungry for, you know, for a community and it's great that you're building one. So um, what what are the trends that you see uh, at Stock that are being, you know, very prominent, something that founders discuss, and maybe there is something, you know, exciting that you brought with you from the last SaaS talk that uh, you're willing to share? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I mean, like the, there are there are trends around. I would say um, like where SaaS is going, but then I also and, and it's good that you mentioned the founder burnout. Like then there are trends that more on the the personal side, right, and on the uh, on the founder side, um, you, you know that we see, and I think it's important and SaaS doc. Uh, you know, covers uh, all of these, both through our conferences, our content, and also our, our founder membership um, uh, products, which is like a, a support network for SaaS founders that we pull together because we understand that you you can't figure this out all by yourself, even though some people, you know, think they're smart enough to do so, or, you, you know, in many cases do try and figure it out all by themselves. And <clears throat> just... Um, in my own personal uh, example of building, building SaaS stock, like I mentioned, I thought in the beginning I could do it all by myself, but, you know, realized I needed a team. Um, but then for the, I guess, kind of first four years of SaaS stock, you know, I wasn't really speaking to anybody else that had done it before, like in terms of scaling, you know, uh, events businesses. I was a solo founder and there was a lot that I was taking on, you, you know, kind of like personally and trying to figure out you, you know my myself and making so many mistakes along the way which certainly whilst we were a growth business you, you know impacted uh our, our growth and it created more stress and you know for me and for the team and and so on um uh, and so thus like having now you, you know done this for for eight years and spoken to thousands of founders we we know that you can't figure it out all by yourself right it's better to have a support network around you <clears throat> certainly that one of peers that are doing it or have been there and done it that can help you avoid the potholes and mistakes. So we created the SaaS founder membership to do that. And then also personally for myself, I'm in a, you know, a support network of entrepreneurs uh, that I meet up with on a, you know, on a monthly basis. And it's like founder therapy. Uh, you, you know, you kind of go there, you kind of have your, 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 your afternoon uh, together with the other founders you go through your problems and what's working, what's not working, et cetera. And afterwards, there's a bit of a, a weight that's been lifted. But also, apart from that, um, you, you know, you'll learn things which can really help move the dial, you know, on, on the business. So I'm a big believer in that. And so, like, from a, from a trend of, uh, I would say, probably the last couple of years, uh, SaaS.com has been covering, you, you know, burnout, founder uh, sort of mental health and well-being uh, we've having been having specific content around that and you could see uh, uh, I think like I mentioned in the podcast already that you know at the event in um, uh, October in Dublin you, you know there there was this feeling of like people were struggling 
you, you know, their businesses were not growing. They didn't have the answers, but but by getting together, they they realized that they were not alone, uh, you know, in this, right? Uh, that it was really mostly, a, 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 um, you know, a, a state of the market uh, that we were in, right? So, uh, so we kind of help connect people around that to help f- make them feel less, uh, <laughs> less bad about themselves and, and, and less lonely. Um, you, you know, obviously, I mean, from the, the SaaS kind of like product side of things, you, you know, AI is the dominating trend, uh, you, you know, kind of like right now. Um, interestingly enough, because, I mean, it was, it was very big last AI, I would think, was the main trend last year, right? And I think it still continues to be the big trend this year. I think like previous years, it was PLG this, PLG that. Uh, and then last year, I didn't really hear anybody really talk about PLG too much. And it was all AI, you, you know, kind of everything. And everybody has to be an AI company, whether you're a legacy SaaS, you've got to build AI into your product. Or you're just, if you're a, a born native into SaaS, AI has to be in your product. Uh, and this is very true. But at SaaSoc in Dublin, we made sure to have a lot of AI content. Um, and just interestingly, you know, with our, uh, competitors out there, uh, I saw that they still kind of have the same old content, like how do you scale to 500 million in revenue and a lot of the go to market stuff, but they weren't, you, you know, uh, bringing in anything about AI, which was the, obviously the, uh, you, you know, the, t- the topic that everybody kind of really wanted to know and learn about. Um, and so we're, we're continuing with that, you, you know, this year we, we've just published, podcast recently on how AI will, you, you know, um, uh, impact the software industry. There's going to be a lot of AI content at SaaS.USA, again, in SaaS.Doc in Dublin, you know, AI is here to stay. Uh, and I think right now, everybody's really kind of hungry to learn, you know, how do we, uh, how do we build AI products? How do we bring it into our existing products if we're an established SaaS business? Um, and what is it going to do, uh, and, and so on. So there's a lot of hype around it, and sometimes it, it is a bit of an overhyped market in some respects, and certainly maybe on the the investment side. Um, but um, it's also very exciting, right? And I think it's a big, uh, a big kind of like sea change for SaaS, a new kind of innovation that's really going to help SaaS, you know, again be around for the next twenty, thirty years or or, or more. Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, uh, it was, uh, everyone was talking about AI, either, you know, they're, they're leveraging for, for their existing, uh, businesses or, you know, they're building something new based on AI. You know, we, um, we had a conference, uh, called quote talks and it's, it's a very techy nerdy kind of thing in Germany. And, uh, AI of course was a very, very prominent topic. And in one of the panels, ChatGPT was one of the, uh, people, persons, I don't know how to, (laughs) yeah, one of the panelists. So it was, it was really fascinating to see. And I mean, uh, obviously, um, VCs are a little bit, um, I guess, cautious about investing in, in, especially in younger, uh, AI powered, uh, companies, but it's definitely a trend that everybody, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. And even, uh, I mean, whilst I I mentioned about the importance of, I mean, AI for the SaaS companies and those, you know, that are coming to our conference, I'm also being asked and we're looking into how do we, you know, as an events business, bring AI, you know, into our conference, right? Exactly. Uh, And what are the ways that we have to do that? Because I think we we have to adapt uh, as well, right? And we have to start using AI and, you know, how do we 
maybe use AI to personalize programs based on the data that we've got for, you know, each individual attendee, or like you said, you know, having them as a panelist or transcribing content into different languages or even just into English in real time. Uh, right. So I think these are some of the things, obviously we've got to look at costs and, you, you know, our P and L and things like that. And we can't invest in all of these AI platforms and make SaaS stock a fully like AI conference, but we're going to look at things and what can we do? And so that we just, again, kind of keep up with the times. Yeah, that's really exciting. Okay, well, I do have a couple more questions, uh, kind of the usual ones uh, here. And the first one is, what has been so far the biggest win and the biggest failure for you at SaaS Talk or for yeah. SaaS Talk in general as a business? Yeah, good question. Um, the, the biggest win, I mean, look, I'd like to think that uh, being first in the market in Europe and choosing Dublin um so the timing uh, maybe the t could you call the timing a win you, you know you could also call it luck right um but the, the timing was good for us right and and that's kind of really enabled us and helped us be first to market and therefore we you know keep that uh, position uh, uh that we had but also the choice of dublin as the location for the conference um really has i think plays a big part into our success because I think just the city works so well for our event. It's smaller than London. Uh, you, you know, there's a lot of serendipity that happens. It's a lot of fun. People love traveling to Ireland. Uh, you, you know, I think these two things, we obviously have many other wins, but just kind of off the top of my head, really kind of uh, been pivotal in the success of, of Sastock. So had we started a couple of years later, had we chosen another city, I don't think we'd be number one in the market. Interesting. Okay. Well, obviously for me, the fact that you're in Ireland is not a win. <laughs> because... What, because of the weather? <laughs> no, because of the visa. <laughs> oh, okay. um, but um, yeah, what about the biggest failure? Biggest failure? Uh, you know, potentially in or maybe like 2019, um, I had this sort of vision of uh, expanding SaaS.globally globally. But rather than going, which is the sensible approach, which we're kind of, again, sort of now taking uh, one, you know, one country at a time. So effectively what you should do, you build up one conference, you make sure it's kind of profitable enough that that can support uh, you launching into a new market. Because as you launch into a new market, um, it's likely that your first event will um, lose money. Uh, and then the second year that you'll break even and the third year that you enter profitability. Uh, and generally that's the kind of rule of thumb. But I, uh, just with my, I don't know, uh, a, a, a mad sort of idea said, let, let's go to five continents, uh, have five conferences in five continents in one year. So we expanded from the Dublin event to then having uh, two events in the US, one in Latin America, one in Asia, one in Australia. Um, and really that stretched the team because we're constantly having to deliver uh, events. And unfortunately, Australia was last in the calendar. So that didn't really get worked on until like a month and a half before the event. So it kind of always suffered a little bit, um, you know, because of that. Um, it stretched the team, you know, it sucked a lot of cash out of the business. So whilst the revenue grew in 2019, it was a very difficult year, very stressful year for the team. Um, and uh, yeah, sucked so much cash out of the business. Uh, I wouldn't do it again. 
Um, and so whilst I won't say that, you, you know, Sastock will never do five conferences in five continents, it's just like doing it all in one and going, uh, expanding internationally in one go, you know, across the, the globe was not a good idea. Um, so yeah, don't do that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, um, when uh, somebody learned that, you know, I'm going to interview you on the podcast, they, they were like, oh, yeah, you should do SaaS talk in Vietnam. <laughs> you suggest that to Alex. <laughs> They're like, no. We get a lot of, uh, why don't you do SaaS talk in India? And why don't you do it, you know, here and there and so on, right? And they're all lovely ideas. And I, I'd love to <clears throat> do that in some respects. But um, yeah, very very difficult to do and uh yeah we, like, it obviously makes sense for us to be in the us which is the biggest market for software the biggest market for events so we believe that we can scale that event to maybe be you know even bigger than the dublin event um but we're looking at that one step at a time before we expand but there may be a future where we're in latin america and we're in asia uh, as well um but uh, it's certainly not within the next kind of two uh, or three years yeah, that makes sense. All right. So the last question is always about hack. So uh, what would be your advice or how that works for you uh, that helps build that, you know, community? Because like community was kind of also a buzzword in, let me, let me check my, my timeline. I, I guess 2021, everyone wanted a community. Everyone was, uh, who, who, who was working with product, especially tech product, you know, when you're selling to developers, you have to be, you know, one of them, right? You have to be in the community, you have to have like supportive, uh, very active um, people around you. So how to do that? What would be your advice or yeah, a hack that worked for you? Yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily say like, I don't know if it, like any hacks have worked for me necessarily, um, but in starting a community, like like you said, I think there was an explosion of communities in you know twenty 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 one, and, and again maybe correlated to people couldn't get together in person, and that kind of continued. But I think it's been a little bit again like fatigued and uh, sort of died down a little bit in terms of it, it being mentioned uh, as much. But in order to build a community, like you got to get start with like how we did with the with the blog right you start with the why right and you, you like why uh why would people join this community over all the other ones that existed and they have to believe in that why and believe in that purpose uh and then they have to believe in the quality you know of the people that are there so like it, what we found quite sort of was a challenge when we built the sasop founder membership initially uh, is, you, you know, the concept and the why was, look, we're going to bring together SaaS founders that are on their scaling journey to 10 million in ARR, and you're going to support one another. But how do you get that first person in when there's nobody else there, right? You, you know, and uh, they have to take a leap of faith and they have to believe in you, uh, you, you know, believe in me, believe like in SaaS stock, but believe in the why and that that higher purpose and effectively what they're buying into is that vision, that higher purpose, that why, that's uh, so why they'll join. And then you've obviously got to back that up, right? Um, but I think in order to kind of get that started, maybe a lot of communities have kind of gone in and they've launched something and, oh, we'll launch something for SaaS founders or for product managers or whatever, but they've not really thought of the why, right? And uh, I think maybe that's where, and maybe they don't believe in the why, they're just doing it because it's a trend. 
But if you like, we purposely, passionately believe in this because we've seen it, you, you know, for eight years, I've experienced it myself that, you know, SaaS founders need to be around other SaaS founders, support one another to help them grow. And we want to be build the world's leading organization for SaaS founders to be able to do that. And, you know, that makes it, you know, a bit more compelling, uh, I would say, or a lot more compelling for SaaS founders to kind of join our community over some, you know, somebody else, right? So start with the why, you, you know, Simon Sinek stuff, but, uh, but it's true. Yeah, so uh, thank you, Alex. Like I said, uh, it's it's really great every, to every time hear founders talk about SaaS Talk and the opportunities that they found, found there. Like just today, this morning, I interviewed Espen from Userflow. Okay, and yep. he told me, yeah, how he met uh, the acquirers of Userflow at SaaS Talk. And uh, Michael Kumpliner from SWAT.io as well, a huge fan. And I mean, uh, I can probably go on, right? So uh, I think you're doing a great job and I absolutely agree with you that, you know, yeah, remote is great, asynchronous is great, but founders do really need a network and do need to get out of their bubble. So yeah, thanks for giving all of us this incredible opportunity. Yeah, no, no, uh, I, I mean, I've I found my purpose in life, I think, uh, like accidentally, um, and like, I'm really kind of grateful that what we've built with Sastock is adding, you know, it's making a real difference. It's adding a lot of, a lot, lot of value and, you know, great to hear as well. You know, the, the stories like Esben's where he, he met his acquirers at Sastock, you, you, you know, uh, it's, it's just fantastic to hear such stories and, you know, there's been many of them and I hope there'll be many more and I'm sure there will be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks so much for, for telling the story and uh, happy to do this again sometime. And hopefully this year, I'll even make it to Sastog. <laughs> yeah, we start the visa application early and I'll be yes. happy to help and sign the letter. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Well, no. thanks so much for the episode and take care. That was yet another awesome conversation on SaaS Unbound. We're always looking for new guests to share their experiences. We mostly talk with bootstrapped SaaS founders. And if you're one, reach out to me directly at anna at saas.group or find me on LinkedIn. If you're not bootstrapped or even not SaaS, but have a great story to tell, we want to hear from you too. And obviously, SaaS Unbound wouldn't be possible without the SaaS group a founder-friendly private equity company that buys awesome businesses that people love to take them to even greater success. If you're thinking about selling your company or just exploring your options, feel free to visit saas.group, fill in the form, and expect a response in under 24 hours.